Timeless love story with bite. It was a night like any other for funeral home director Ginny Lynn until the exceptionally handsome and unfortunately deceased young man on her embalming table sat up, opened his emerald eyes, and changed the course of her life forever, making her feel quite fluttery while he was at it. Humans aren't supposed to know Jonas Cantrell or any vampire exists. It's kind of a major rule. Despite his instantaneous bond with perfectly peculiar Ginny, he has no choice but to erase her memories of their one and only meeting. That was the plan. Before a reluctant Jonas can wipe Ginny's mind clean, she reveals a secret that brings their worlds crashing together. Human and vampire. Past and present. Darkness and light. And while their love is strictly forbidden, it might be the only thing that can save them. Reborn Yesterday. Available everywhere March 16th. Hey, lady listeners. Hey. Hey, lady DJs. What's up? Nothing. Mel, I would like to draw attention to your sweater right now real quick. Uh, <laughs> it oh, it's me. a dandelion and it says blow me on top of it. <laughs> That's not the worst part. So yesterday my kid called and asked me to bring medicine to school and I was just chilling at home with my PJs. And I like get up to school, I take give her a medicine, I get back in the car and I like look down, I'm like, motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> like I'm wearing this shirt that says blow me. Oh well. So know. we are here for Alexa Riley Week. We have an original Alexa Riley book. Never before heard. Never before it's heard. It's a brand new story. Never before read or seen. No. It's, it's the so cutest crazy. cover. It's the cutest cover with like this vintage lettering you showed me yesterday. I it's love really it. Great. Yeah, it's, I love it. I love it. I love, love it. it. Okay, tell us what the book that you brought. What's first? Tell us what it's called, and tell us what it's about. And then there's also a companion book that came out today. So yes, let's so talk this about book that. is called Toasty um, that you're gonna hear on the podcast, and it's a companion book to the book called Cozy. And Cozy you can get right now in ebook. And you can get it at Apple, Barnes and Noble, Kobo. You can get it on our website. So you can grab cozy and then listen to toasty and they go together and then on friday you'll be able to get toasty this book you're about to hear you're going to get it on friday with epilogues so it's two brand new alexa rally books this week it's so exciting it's important to remind people that they can get downloaded for their kindle from your website yeah yeah yeah, absolutely so So if you're like how do i get it on my kindle Melissa, tell them how to do that. <laughs> you can either uh, you can go to our website and buy it. It'll email the ebook right to you. So after you buy it, check your spam box. It hits a lot of people's spam box for some reason, and you just download it. When you go to click it, it's going to prompt you to go into your Kindle app. If you so want, I can um, I can read the blurbs for yeah. Time. Tell us what the blur- okay. tell us. What These are sisters. About. Each book is about one sister. Yeah. So. Cozy is the ebook that you can get now, like I said, and um, I can read you that one first. So it says, Timber Grayson likes living alone in his castle, far from people and crowds. So when a company wants to use his place for some corporate party, it's a flat out no. That's until he com- That's until she comes knocking and suddenly he's changing his no people rule. Pippa Michaels has been recruited by her sister Myra to get a castle secured for an event space. Pippa would do anything for her, but after meeting the hulking lumberjack, 
She's having second thoughts. When Timber tells her she can have it if she stays for the duration of the planning, she's making promises she's not sure she can keep. Warning, cuddle your cute butt up with this billionaire (laughs) recluse who chops wood with his bare hands. Once he meets Pippa, there's no going back, but you wouldn't want him any other way. Get ready because things are about to get cozy. See what we did there? So, so that's cozy. That's the ebook. And so Toasty is what you're about to hear the first installment of. And that's the sister Myra. So this is Toasty's. Myra Michaels has been a personal slave to Case Cox for far too long. She's tired of him making her work all hours of the night, taking long trips with the, just the two of them that could have been an email. She's also really tired of the uncontrollable attraction she feels for him. And she's got to get away from it. But the day she quits, she makes an even bigger mistake, and now she's got a secret baby bump to think of. Hiding out in, hiding out in a reclusive billionaire's castle sounds like a great plan. That is until Case comes knocking. Case Cox has wanted Myra since the moment she walked into his office, but his policy of not sleeping with employees leaves no room for his desire. He's waited all this time and hasn't touched another woman since the day he laid eyes on her. So when Myra quits, he's, she's finally fair game. He gets just one taste of her, and then she disappears, but she has no idea how determined he can be. Warning, This what could possibly happen when he (laughs) finds her? Get toasty with us, because you know it's a steamily happily ever after. Yeah. Yay! Yay. Her cheesy book bios. Have you ever had to read one of your warnings out loud? (laughs) No, I don't think I ever had. And I just started laughing. What is that? Get cozy with You're like, Steve warning. Morning. Morning. <laughs> so funny. That was ridiculous. So, uh, Oh, my gosh. That was so exciting to have some new Alexa Riley books. Yes. And this is a big day for you, too. Mm-hmm. This is a big, big day. So tell us about your big, big book on your big, big day and your big, big release. Well, I'm not going to read the blurb because... At the beginning of this podcast, before we started talking, yeah. the male narrator, Jason Clark, what? read the blurb uh, Ooh, for, sexy. for an advertisement. So, Do you have the audio yet? I just uploaded it to ACX this morning. Shut the fuck up. This okay, morning. I want it. They're taking like a month, I heard. It takes forever to go live. At, really? Yeah. I, I, don't, I don't understand. I guess they listen to it start to finish. Oh, I don't know. For like quality control or something? You're like, just click the fucking button. To make sure there's no like Russian propaganda inserted in it or something. (laughs) I don't know. Yeah, it's going to be in the romance book if it's happening. No, my friend told me the other day, she's like, I have one from January, the end of January that's still sitting in there. And I have four loaded after it. It's frustrating. Yeah, I uploaded um, the Major's Welcome Home and it took three and a half weeks to go live. And that was like five chapter. I mean, it's a really short book. Oh my God. Wow. So I, anyways, I uploaded Reborn Yesterday is out today in ebook, but the audio will probably go live, I'm guessing, sometime at the end of March. Okay. Yeah, and it's Elizabeth Hart and Jason Clark, but he only. I mean, if you want to just like, you just want to slide me that file. I mean, (laughs) okay. Go ahead. I will. Okay. Yeah. Do it. Um, so I mean, I won't take that long. <laughs> I still haven't, although, to be fair, you did send me the ebook like two months ago, and I still haven't read it. But I'm like, I need it in audio. That's how I'll do it. Yeah. No, I, I mean, that's how you want to enjoy it. Like, you I just do. want to enjoy it the first time I just the right want way. somebody to read to me. Yes, I do. <laughs> and I'm so excited to read it. And, like, I've started it. Like, I've opened it up. I haven't even, like, read the first part. And I'm like... I'm just going to wait. The audio is going to be great. <laughs> you know, I feel like it's one of those things where it's like, 
you know, when they make your favorite book into a movie and you're like, oh, the book's better. I feel that way sometimes with the audio. I'm like, oh, I just, that's how I enjoy processing romance. Just somebody reading me a love story. God, it's just so good. What were you although, listening to when I, when I signed I was going to say, although this morning I was listening to some murder. <laughs> I'm listening to, um, and I've talked about it earlier in the podcast, like way back in season one. It's Robert Dugani. It's his um, series, the Tracy Crosswhite series. And the first one is called My Sister's Grave. And it's about, it's not romance at all. It's definitely like murder mystery, suspense, thriller stuff, but it's so good. And I really enjoy the the woman that's in this book because she really does grow a lot as the series continues. She's a detective and it's like 30 years after her sister has been murdered and they find a grave. And so then she has to go back to her hometown and figure out who done it. So like, that's kind of it. So that's how the series starts. And it's like, I think I'm on like book nine or 10 now. And so she's a detective in real life. So right now this in this particular book um i can't remember the title this one but it just came out a couple months ago but i've been saving it because he only releases books like once every year and a half so i mean i don't know what that's like but <laughs> it must be nice but uh so i don't know it's it's really good though so the, the one i'm in now she has to go back to her hometown again and it's like oh something else is going on so <laughs> I love it. For those of you who like mysteries or thrillers, it's one of my favorite series. It's crazy in the book series, like, or movies or TV series, like, when, Mm -hmm. like, the same small town, like, shit keeps happening, like, and no one ever Mm -hmm. addresses it. Like, I can't believe how many vampires live here. (laughs) (laughs) I can't believe how many people keep dying in this murdered. Yeah, and, like, our town of 200 people. This is strange. Everybody, like, half of us have died. This is crazy. <laughs> okay, so, Mel, I am dying to hear you talk about your reality corner this week. So, can oh, you please explain McMillions to me? Oh what What is this, so and why good. are you obsessed? It's over. Tell it's me. over now. Oh, so, anybody can binge watch it. Okay, so it is you can finished. Get it, yeah, you can get it on Amazon Prime for free, or it's on HBO. So, the McMillions is about how the Monopoly was a scam. Has anybody watched The it? McDonald's Monopoly game. I know yeah, about that it, but I haven't scam. watched it. So they got a tip and somebody wrote the tip down on like a post-it and put it on a computer screen and whatever. And one of the guys at the white collar crime, Doug, who's like the best character in the whole show. I mean, it's not even a show. He's real. He's a real FBI agent. He like sees it one day and he's like, what's that? He's like, I'll take it. I'm tired of this healthcare shit. I'm bored. And he <laughs> yeah. takes the post-it uh-huh. and runs with it. So and somebody put on a post-it that the McDonald's Monopoly game was... So was, somebody called in a tip. And okay. then the tip people were like, so somebody's saying that the McDonald's thing is a, is somebody scamming it. Okay, okay. So McDonald's isn't even a part of it. So he starts looking into it and he starts connecting all the winners. Ooh. And then so they get it all together and then they've got to go to McDonald's. But they don't want to tip off because they don't know who's scamming them. Yeah, yeah. So then they pull in McDonald's. And they're just trying to find out. And the McDonald's is about to run another game. And McDonald's just wants to pull it. Oh, shit. And they're like, no, we need you to run this game. So McDonald's lets the game run. Ooh. And they start That's got chills. I don't know why. But <laughs> what's so great about it is. So McDonald's was basically, of- be, was like a, a, like a CI. Like, a, like, what is it? When um, you're like they were helping? the police. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, there is one woman who 
facilitates it all for McDonald's and she's oh. still at McDonald's. And so she's, she's, wait, so she's a snitch, basically, is what you're saying. <laughs> she, so, she wore so a Doug, The guy Doug is like, he's like, I can't, he's hilarious just the whole time. Like, what, he, the things that comes out of his mouth, he makes me crack up. He's like, we went to this meeting and we were there so long. I was so bored that I think I got hungry twice. <laughs> kills me and he's like because he's a new fbi agent at the time like brand new and he's like and i get to go to this meeting so i like went to my closet and i had this gold suit and i wore it so he actually wore this gold suit to a huge professional meeting just i don't because the guy is just a character but he makes the whole thing because they're interviewing him interviewing him but um so i forgot where i was oh so they go they do these meetings and so this person at mcdonald's sets up undercover for them so they start calling the winners they're like oh we're doing commercials yeah. and it's all fake oh shit and so Doug is like but all this shit just happens like I think you just have to watch it but every person it's so crazy because then you start getting into the winners and the winners are kind of patsies oh I'm totally and watching they're being this conned. Oh, they're yeah. being conned but the but the great thing about it is I'm just amazed by the characters, well, they're not characters because they're real. Yeah. These people are all fascinating people. I'm like, I can't with this guy's wife. I can't with this woman. I can't with this woman. And then you find out who the informant was. And there's one girl that's like an Alexa Riley hero. And I'm like, oh, my God. She's a dumbass. <laughs> <laughs> and then she accidentally does something and, like, tips up all this stuff and doesn't even know she did it. She's like, oh. I, I, I guess. I, guess. I, don't she's know. Like, I was just over here designing my stuffed animals. And I was going to say, I just, I don't understand. She's got, she's like, now she's me. like 40 something or 50 something. She's got like a side ponytail and thick glasses. I'm like, I can't with you. <laughs> oh, love the this. wife is like, but what, the, even though, because it goes back to the mom, you get that very soon. One of the women is married to the mom, guys, and she's like, I walked in that bar and I punched him right in the fucking face. And then I told him, I'm calling the cops on you. I'm calling the FBI on you, you, you. And she's like, I walked out of there and I called my mom. I was like, I'm going to die, mom. So if I die, this is who did it. I'm like, I can't with you. I that love people like that. That is something Mel would do. <laughs> she would walk out and call her dad. <laughs> dad, I'm about to die. <laughs> but just all of the people are just like, I can't. They're all interesting. Wait, Mel, I have another thing to ask you, though. I wrote down here is um, I know how you love fast food so much, right? <laughs> Are you going to try the KFC fried chicken donut say. combination? It's a just for those of you who don't know, it's a piece of fried chicken between two Krispy Kreme donuts. Like, that's it. It's a sandwich. The bread is the donuts and the meat is the fried chicken. Are you going to try it? Well, somebody asked me and I thought... Sometimes it's better not to know how good something is. <laughs> Have and you already tried it? Is. You already did. No, I haven't. No, I haven't tried it. I haven't tried it because I'm scared that I'm going to really like it. I don't think you will. So I felt like if I don't know how good it is, I can't crave it. If I've never had it, I can't crave it. Okay. Like Does that make do. sense? Yeah. Because I crave like certain crazy. things. But you crave it until you're sick, until you make yourself physically sick. Yes. Like, I eat the same thing over and over again. Like, I've been, I'm still on coconut shrimp. I probably ate the coconut shrimp thing 75 times. I'm not exaggerating. <laughs> no, I'm like, I'm like that too, though. I, like, I get on one thing and I eat it to death, like a burrito bowls. I love burrito no. bowls. I can eat 100 burrito bowls back to back. Mexican food, if I only had to eat one food for the rest of my life, I'd just eat Mexican food constantly. 
I love it. Well, I could do that too, but I don't think I could eat like one specific thing over and over and over. No. So we're not going to try the KFC. Uh, I will. You will. You guys want to try? <laughs> they opened up. A no, I don't want to put you on a, a binge. I, I just. I'll, I'm curious. I'll I want to know. I need you I'll to try. try it, Mel, to and report back to the podcast. Okay? Please. Yes, please. Right. So that's All your right, job now. Call your, <laughs> call your dad. Tell him to pick it All for right. you. Pick it up for you. <laughs> But they um they opened up a specialty Krispy Kreme near me and it's like they have Krispy Kreme ice cream like they have like they have like vanilla ice cream it's like a shake they put vanilla ice cream with bits of donut in it and then they top it with this cute little mini donut like on top sounds and it's, wonderful and they have like all different like specialty flavors that they don't have at any other Krispy Kreme it has a double drive through okay like this thing's legit it's huge. But um, I went to it a couple of weeks ago, and I was just like, oh, this is a bad idea. <laughs> I just walked in and was like, I don't need to know this is real. But it's delicious if anyone <laughs> ever has one of those. <laughs> Should we talk um, about um, the fact that uh, I don't know why, but I put down that I wanted to talk about Celine Dion, and I have no idea why. <laughs> I can't remember why I wanted to talk about her. Um, was it? Is it because I seen the cookie picture? Lately? Yes, I was going to say that. Was it? Did she look like she was a Girl Scout cookie girl? But also, there. Oh, now I remember. There's yeah. There's this video of Celine Dion like pulling away from the curb in the back of an SUV, but this girl starts singing to her, and Celine Dion rolls the window down and just kind of like looks over, doesn't smile, just like very like expressionless behind her giant sunglasses, just listens to this girl pouring her heart out in the song. And then she go- and then she goes, she waits till it's over. And then she's like, it was very good. It was very good. Beautiful. <laughs> Drop away. Wow. But you have to see this video. It, I, she is such a boss bitch in this video. Like she just sits there, doesn't have any expression. And this girl is pouring her heart out and she just looks like she's going to tear her to shreds. And then she's like, I liked it. It's very good. <laughs> it's crazy. I love Celine Dion lately. So I listened to a podcast and it's, um, it's put on by Esther Perel, but it's called How's Work. And I listened to it, the, an episode the other day that I found really interesting. And I wanted to talk to y'all about it. And I can't remember the name of that particular episode, but it came out last week. But um, it's about a mother and son, and they work together, and they own, like, a real estate company. And it's about the two of them. And so what Esther does on her normal podcast that we've talked about several times, Where Should We Begin? She interviews couples and records it, and it's anonymous. And so that's what How's Work is. How's Work is where she interviews business partners, and they talk about what they're going through and things like that. Like even in like the clip at the beginning when they play like the trailer for the show, there's, it's about, there's one episode where it's about two guys that were pilots together. And once they got out of the, um, the Navy, they ended up, um, going into business together. And then they, one of them wants to do something else. And the guy's like, it feels like a breakup. And she was like, Oh, it doesn't feel it is. And so like, it's kind of like, those situations where people are like, you know, bonded together, but they have all these other layers with their work together. And so in this week's episode that I listened to about the mother and son, um, they own a real estate company together. And it was so eye-opening to hear them be really honest about you know, so he's, he works for her and they have another, she has another son and she has a husband and it's his father. And so the father is never mentioned until the very end. And the fact that he works for the company because she runs it. 
And, you know, he said, I never know if I'm good enough because I just went to work for you. And he said, I got all these advantages that people in my position spend years trying to get. And I got it overnight. And so he said, I'm always going to have this insecurity in the back of my mind. Like, am I really good enough to do this? Or am I, am I successful because of situa- like the situational circumstance? And it was also really interesting. The mother was really vulnerable. And she said, I feel like you're coming in and you're doing everything better than I ever did it. And she was like, and here I am experienced, and this is my business with my name on it, and you're taking over. And she was like, you know, where does that leave me? And so the part that really got me was the mother was really upset at the end, and she said, you know, I took my husband's last name when I got married, and it's his name on the business. It's not mine. And she said, you know, that really is something like at my age now, she said, you know, when my son takes over this business, it will be his because it's his name. It won't be mine anymore. And she's like, but it was never mine to begin with. And her husband, like, he's a CFO. Like, he works in the back office, like, doing finances. But he also stayed at home with the kids. And so that was another, like, kind of shift in their relationship where she was the boss, babe. Like, she went to work. She made all the money. And he kind of did things behind the scenes. And it was like, you know, the relationship of the son with the with the dad and how, you know, she said, I worried that you saw him as weak and, you know, that kind of thing, because he didn't really have a job. And he was like, he said his job and his, um, his ambition in life was to support you. And he was like, and I saw that. And I just thought like the, the dynamic in that relationship was really interesting to me, but I wondered about like how, how it is for women, like to take your husband's name and to have to, you know, when you make something of yourself, do you think it feels like it's yours when you have this other name and we've all taken pen names, you know, versus our real names and that sort of thing. And does it feel like in a way that it's not like you don't own part of it because it's something else? I wondered that with like, especially with writing. No, I like, like how do you I'm perceive still like making, I'm still accomplishing I'm still making the same accomplishments no matter what my name is. I, I don't know. That's what I was thinking. I don't think yeah. about it. I'm still that person like that I was before. It's just a legal, I don't know. I, it doesn't change. It doesn't change like the value of your work. Yeah. Or and it I, doesn't I, allocate I kind of, it differently. I don't, I don't, I don't know. That wouldn't bother I think me it at all. Was, I think it was mostly the perception of, you know, this business that she's built is her, has her husband's last name on it. And it wasn't necessarily like when people see it, you know, they don't think of her. They think of like that name, you know. And so I just wondered, like, maybe it's because we're in a in a women dominated business. And so it just feels like, oh, it's still women, you know, that we interact with. But I don't know. I mean, I just I listened to the podcast and it felt really poignant when I listened to it because I could understand like the need to have that separation and maybe maybe we do with our pen names i think it's all um i think it's all circum like it just situational like if she lived in this town her whole life and watched her husband get congratulated on successes over and over again and she never got credit that's something that would eat away at you and that would bother you and then the name on the business would bother you as well because you're like i'm doing all this work and no one ever recognizes it and but it just 
that could go the other way where someone does recognize all your work and yeah. then the name doesn't bother you. I I don't know. It's, I think it's just case by case. Yeah, maybe so. I feel like I, you always find something to dwell on. Yeah. It's just human it, nature. You always find something. That's- well, and I wonder, too, if it's not because she's coming to the end of her career as this person and she's having to give this thing up that she's built, you know, that it, it she feels so much ownership with it. Yeah. Legacy, I mean, I you see it a lot with people who are retiring. They start to realize that, you know, am I happy with the legacy I'm leaving behind? Yeah. And yeah. Um, why aren't people recognizing it more? Like, why aren't people... I, I don't know. I, you know my like what was it Michael Scott? Okay, you know the op- you know the op- the uh, episode of the yeah. Office where um yeah. like a regional manager from a different branch dies, and then he, everybody's just kind of like, oh no, that's terrible, and yeah. then they just go back to yeah. work. And Michael Scott's uh-huh. like, yeah. he realizes like if I died, you know, everybody would just go back to work, and there would be no big like celebration of my life and my accomplishments and. It's hard, you know, it's like you, you're coming to the end of this, like, era, and you have to come to terms with, okay, what I've done is what I've done, and that's it. Yeah. I can't do anymore. Yeah. And it's, like, really hard for people to accept that, I think. I think it's I'm, – I'm really proud of the fact that especially the three of us to be women and to create what we've created and, you know, write what we've written in the podcast and everything else that we've done – I just think it's, I think it's so empowering. Like, I don't, I don't know that my mother's generation would have ever had this kind of opportunity to be so free to create this, you know, like everything that, that we've made. And I just think it's, it's really fucking awesome that, you know, we sort of put our stamp in at least the romance world. I think, yeah, we have. And I, you know, you go to book signings and I think you, that the the reason I love book signings so much is to meet readers and you are isolated. We're isolated during in this job so much, but you go and you realize the impact you're having is a lot bigger than you realize. And that's really rewarding to have someone be like, I don't interact in any of the groups, but I had to tell you this. And you wouldn't have had that experience because I think for every 25 people that interact with you on the internet there's a hundred people that don't that read your <laughs> yeah, books yeah, right i agree uh-huh. um yeah. that just listen to this podcast and then just turn it off and they don't go into headquarters and you know there's a lot of people out there that you don't reach on the internet so um yeah. it's really nice so, to hey. go and find out <laughs> hey girl but i so, hey 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 i'm like i've i found i think since um just like relatives passing and things like that happening that I'm really aware lately of like what I'm leaving behind. And I'm almost just like frantically building, trying to build something that's going to last. And I don't know if that's like just a product of having seen somebody die and and leave like literally nothing but memories, you know, yeah, for their loved ones. And you're like, that's terrifying. I mean, it's terrifying to me. Well, you know, I saw this clip of Tiffany Haddish. Did we talk about this? I can't remember, I but I was so. watching. I was watching um the Kevin um Hart special on Netflix, and there's a moment where he's being interviewed, and Tiffany Haddish is in the background, 
and somebody hands her a pair of earrings and she's like getting ready to do an interview but she's in the background and she looks at the camera and she's like this like putting on her earrings and she was like oh these are borrowed she was like I don't pay for anything she said I'm trying to create generational wealth she was like I don't have any generations yet but somebody gonna get me pregnant and then she looks over this guy and she said hey how you doing and like well never and the camera just pans away and I was like what the fuck like it was just like this it was a silly little clip and I just love her so much she's like I don't I pays for nothing is that her exact (laughs) quote that she says like i'm trying to create some generational wealth so yeah yeah i feel that i feel that really hard i do (laughs) um okay why don't we not keep them in suspense anymore should we let them listen to the first the first half of let's stop let's just talk about something else for the next 45 minutes okay make them wait all right a little longer (laughs) so this is cozy right this is cozy. No, okay, and had fifty percent chance. But you can get that, right? you can get cozy right now in ebook before okay. you get this. Because I think the epilogue is like at or the beginning of this one. The prologue is at cozy's wedding or no? Event. Yeah, it's at the end of cozy. Oh, spoiler! I said they got married. <laughs> Shocking! Oh, no. oh, happily ever after. Ah. <laughs> okay. Yeah, if you read, if you get, um, if you get cozy in ebook right now. The end of Cozy will lead you into the beginning of Toasty, but you don't have to read them consecutively. No, they're both standalones. They're, they're both standalones. So, so yeah. this is the first half of Toasty by Alexa Riley, and we will talk to you on the other side. Bye. Bye. This is Toasty by Alexa Riley, read for you by Elizabeth Hart and Kurt Bonham. Prologue. Myra, six weeks ago. Dance? I pull my eyes from the dance floor to see Bruce standing next to my chair. I've been watching my sister most of the night because I can't help myself. When I showed up today and saw her in the arms of a man, I almost lost my cool. The arms of a man I'd put her in. A man who was known to be a recluse with the reputation of an asshole. I thought he was going to be some 70-year-old man when I sent her out here to see about renting his castle-like estate for a party my boss is hosting. I couldn't get my foot in the door to talk to him, so it's why I sent my little sister Pippa. She's nothing but smiles and sweetness and has a way of getting people to do anything she asks. It's endearing that she doesn't even know the power she wields. I was leery at first. But having spent the night watching the two of them, I know they really are in love. Come on, you can't mope after other happy couples. Bruce holds his hand out for me to take, and I do. I'm not moping. That's my sister. I'm watching, I answer as he pulls me toward the dance floor. I should be checking on the party instead of dancing, since it's my job. My eyes flick over to where Mr. Cox has been sitting, but now there's only an empty chair. I'm stealing the moment while Assface is out of the room. Bruce's eyes go to where I'm looking and he twirls me away, making me laugh. Bruce and Cox have a funny relationship. I only worked out that they were cousins a few months back. It makes sense now why Cox tolerates Bruce instead of ignoring him and banning him from our offices. I swear it's his life goal to drive my boss crazy. 
I actually enjoy it, and it'll be one of the few things I'll miss after I quit. Did you two ever get along? I smile up at Bruce, and I have no doubt I'm getting a death glare from every woman in the room. He's charming, but he always has a new woman on his arm and is a little too flirty for my taste. I don't know why, but I seem to fall for the brooding kind. I guess my sister and I have a type. We get along just fine. I laugh as he twirls me around again. I don't think what they do is get along, but okay. I know better than to get between family. What are you doing? Mr. Cox's voice is low and deadly, and goosebumps travel across my skin. Normally, I'd stop whatever I was doing and answer him, since he's my boss. This is his party, or at least he's hosting it. He hasn't been acting like it's a party with the way he sat in his chair all night, watching everyone. I don't know why he bothers to come if he won't even let himself enjoy it. Are you sure you made those billions all by yourself? Bruce tosses out. Because anyone can see we're dancing, dipshit. I can't hold in the laugh, and why should I? What's he going to do, fire me for laughing? Have at it. It wouldn't be shocking, because I've seen him fire people for less. Myra. Cox says my name, but I ignore him. I don't look at him because I don't want to see his expression. She's busy. Let the lady have some fun for once. I glance up at Bruce and bite my lip when I see his mischievous, cocky smile. It's the one that makes all the girls melt when he comes into our offices. I gasp as Bruce is wrenched away from me and then he hits the floor. My mouth hangs open as I gape at Mr. Cox. You hit him. I try to go and help Bruce off the floor, but Cox's hand wraps around my arm and his fingers dig into my bare skin. He had it coming, Cox says through his teeth. Bruce shrugs as he wipes a small trail of blood off his mouth, as if to say, I did have it coming. You got me good, he smirks as he picks himself up off the ground. I'm not fucking around. That was a warning shot. Cox steps into Bruce's space, but he doesn't let go of my arm. I try and shake from his hold, but he only tightens it. Can you let me go so you two can have your pissing match? Mr. Cox jerks his head to look down at me with wide eyes. He's surprised by my comment, but I don't care. I'm done with him and over his shit. I'm not putting up with it, even if the pay is crazy good. At one time, I cared, but not anymore. I also don't have to worry about my little sister anymore, and I don't need this job. He could block me from getting another job out of spite. He's ruthless. It's how he became one of the richest men in the world. His dark blue eyes search my face and I swallow. He's good at reading people, and I've always worried he might pick up on the attraction I feel for him. You'd have to be dead not to notice how handsome he is. I tilt my head back and meet his gaze in a challenge. Party's over, he informs me, and I openly roll my eyes at him. It's just getting started, I respond sharply. I wanted to go home, but now that he's acting like a jerk and punched Bruce, I want to see this through. 
I've never seen them get physical before, and I have no idea what sent him over the edge this time. Not for you. He pulls me from the dance floor, and his long strides make me have to almost run to keep up with him. He's lucky I'm good in heels. What are you doing? I sigh as we exit out the front. Is he going to yell at me? I've seen Mr. Cox dish out a lot of ass chewing, but now that I think about it, I don't recall actually getting one myself. With me, he's cold, stern, bossy, ungrateful, rude, and everything else my mind conjures up. Strong, sexy, dominating, shit. I stop the train of thought so I can't come up with more positive traits. I'm taking you home. You've clearly had too much to drink. Benny, Cox's driver, holds open the car door as Cox manhandles me into the back of his limo. I let him so I don't have to call a car service to come get me, and I can quit. Two birds and all that. Now I can go home for the first time in weeks and slip into my PJs and not leave home for a few days. It will be weird not having Pippa there. Maybe I should get a cat. I only saw you take a few sips from your champagne. Cox breaks me from my thoughts of kittens, and I glance over at him. Was he watching me all night? Whenever I glanced his way, he looked bored and disinterested in everything around him. I'm not drunk. I scoot over to make room for his giant frame, and he grabs me. I let out a gasp as he pulls me back into his side. What are you doing? I try and wiggle away from him, but he pulls me onto his lap. Cox, I squeal. Stop wiggling. He growls at me. And when I do what he says, I can feel his rock-hard cock against my ass. My breathing grows heavy as I press into him, and he lets out a loud groan. His sharp tone and demands make my nipples tighten, and I'm pretty sure it's not supposed to have that effect on me. Too bad it always does when it comes to him. I quit. I try to shout it, but I'm so turned on it comes out breathy. Fucking finally, he says, catching me off guard as his mouth comes down onto mine. Finally? Did he just say, finally? His tongue parts my lips, demanding entry. My back hits the floor of the limo, and oh my God, we're kissing. How the hell is this happening? I moan into his mouth as my fingers dig into his short, dark hair. I feel his big hand slip up my dress, and then he yanks hard and my panties are gone. Oh, shit. This is happening. I'll be better next time. I've waited too fucking long. I can't make out half of what he's saying because my body is burning with a need so deep, I'm not sure it can ever be filled. Fucking drenched. I'd probably blush at his words, but the heat from my desire has already warmed my whole body. We shouldn't be doing this, but I don't care. I've thought about this too many times to count. Maybe it could be my parting gift. Without hesitation, he thrusts inside me and I gasp. The pinch of pain is small and over quickly. He stills over me, and the feeling of being so full is overwhelming as I clench around him but my want and desire for this man 
far outweigh any discomfort I might have felt. Myra, he asks, trying to pull back, but I lift my mouth to his and silence him. More than anything, I don't want to meet his gaze right now. Move, I say against his mouth, lifting my hips, but I'm pinned below his heavy body. As always, Cox is in control. I clench around him again at the reminder, and he does as I tell him. He pulls out slowly before he thrusts quickly back inside, and I toss my head back and moan. This has been a fantasy that was years in the making, and it's so much better than I ever imagined. It's filthy and quick, and we're still mostly dressed, but his need is even greater than my own. Without giving my body permission, it opens for him, and suddenly my orgasm is bearing down on me fast and hard. Myra. Cox chants my name over and over as I cry out for him. I sound like I'm begging as I come and dig my fingers into his back. I'm washed away in a wave of pleasure unlike anything I knew was possible. His big body jerks over me, and I feel the hot warmth of his release deep inside. He says my name one more time in a loud groan as he thrusts all the way inside and holds himself there. I close my eyes while he places soft kisses on my neck and collarbone. What have we just done? Emotion builds in my throat, and suddenly a sob wants to break free. I need up. I push at his chest, but he's too solid to move unless he wants to. Are you okay? His voice is so tender and soft, it's totally different to how it was just moments ago. I whimper when his cock slips from inside of me, and I scramble to sit up. My eyes go to his hard cock that's jutting out of his slacks and looks like he's ready for round two. I can't believe it fit inside me. But when I see the small streak of blood on it, I bolt for the door. Moving too fast, I nearly fall out of the limo and onto my ass. Cox curses from behind me, and I'm guessing he's trying to cover himself. It's late, and no one is on my street, so I run into the lobby and up the stairs. I'm in my place in a flash and slam the door behind me, just in time to hear Cox's hand come banging down on it. I've never seen him look so disheveled as I did racing away from him, I can't imagine what he looks like right now on the other side of that door. Myra, he warns, in that tone that does things to me, and I have to fight my body's desire. Go away, I tell him, even though I don't want him to. I quit. I push away from the door, needing the space and distance to keep me from going to him. Myra, he warns again, and I shake my head knowing he can't see me. Did I hurt you? His voice is soft this time, and I've never heard him speak like this before. I came, didn't I? I snap back, because I don't want to answer the question. Did he hurt me? Not my body, but my heart is another story. Open the door, he demands, and I have to fight myself not to do as I'm told. You're not the boss of me. I sound like a child stomping my foot, but I don't care. He laughs, actually laughs. I'll always be the boss of you, I hear him say. And then there's silence.
Chapter 1 Case You know, good help is hard to find. I roll my eyes at the sound of my cousin's voice. I don't have time for him or his shit today. Correction, I don't have the patience for it. I thought I told the staff to block you from coming in here, I say without turning around to face him. Like I said, good help is hard to find. When I finally turn around, I see him plop down on my couch and put his feet up on my coffee table. I'm in my study today because I had to get out of the fucking office. I had to be away from every goddamn thing that reminds me of her. Spit it out, Bruce. What do you want? I was drinking coffee, but now I feel like something stronger. Six weeks and nothing. I should have never left her apartment that night. Fuck. I'm a bastard for what I did, and then I just walked away thinking I had time that I'd make her see how much I wanted her. But it all went to complete shit. Can't I come by and see my favorite cousin? I'm your only cousin, and I don't even like you. I grind my teeth as I walk over to my desk and push around some papers on it for no reason other than to have something to do. Ouch, that hurt my feelings. I stare at him and raise an eyebrow. I mean, if I had them, that might have hurt, he offers, and I go back to organizing papers. Most of the shit on my desk is from the investigators to whom I've paid an embarrassing amount of money to locate Myra, but so far they've come up with nothing. It's like she was a figment of my imagination and she's disappeared into the wind. How can someone leave this hole in my chest and then just walk away? I'm sure the staff can make you some food if that's why you stop by. I'm trying to get rid of Bruce, and this is my nice way of doing it. He won't get this offer again. The next time I tell him to leave, it's going to be by me kicking him out of my front door. I do love that chocolate mousse thing your cook makes, but that's not why I'm here. I hear him stand up as he walks over and drops a newspaper down on my desk. It's turned to page six where the wedding announcements are, and I see someone that looks like Myra. Before I can form a thought, I grab it up and hold it close to my face. Relief and anger hit me all at once when I realize it's not her. I toss the paper down, and I'm agitated because I got my hopes up, but my cousin pushes it back towards me. Did you even bother to see who it is? I glance down at the names and see under the engagement photo is the name Pippa Michaels. Notice anything familiar? She has a sister? I can feel my eyebrows pull together as I think about a time when she ever mentioned having a sister. I thought she was an only child, but maybe that came from me just assuming. For all the attention I paid to her, I never got close enough to know everything. I can tell you how she takes her coffee and how she chews on her pinky nail when she's nervous. I can predict her mood based on how she tilts her head after I tell her good morning. For years I've watched her and memorized things that only I could possibly know. But somehow 
I missed vital details like where the fuck she would disappear to if she ever decided to run. I missed the forest for the trees. Bruce is the one to roll his eyes this time as he points down farther in the article. I scan it and see that her sister is getting married to some wealthy heir with a castle. Is that the same place? Bruce cuts me off with his loud sigh and I look up to see him shaking his head. For a bright man, you are as thick as oatmeal sometimes. He jerks the paper out of my hands and goes back to his position on the couch. The night of the party when you ran out with her? He tilts his head and I nod for him to go on. She told me she was watching her sister. That's why we were on the dance floor. That, and you were trying to cop a feel, I accuse, and he doesn't deny it. What can I say? I'm a man of many talents. He shrugs and tosses the paper on the coffee table. Her sister is getting married and the wedding is being held at the castle. I know you're a smart guy, so I'll let you figure out the rest. She'll be there, I say, more to myself than to Bruce. Look at him, ladies and gentlemen. He's not just a mogul with a strong jawline. Fuck off. I snatch up the paper again and look at the date. It's tomorrow. It's also invitation only, with security tighter than a nun's asshole. My mind is at work, and I know that I can't let this opportunity pass me by. I've searched high and low, and there hasn't been a scrap of evidence to lead me to her. This is my one chance, and I have to get on that property. I've got plenty of connections, and I can call in some favors. Someone somewhere has got to know someone dirty enough to do what it takes. There's another thud, and I look down on the coffee table to see a cream envelope. Before I can make out the foil lettering on it, Bruce puts the heel of his shoe down over it and looks up at me. That's your golden ticket, Willy Wonka. But there are strings attached. I clench my fists at my side as he raises his chin in challenge. We're pretty evenly matched in size, but I have anger and need on my side. Although Bruce would fight dirty, so I'm not 100% on the outcome. Of course there is. I try and stay calm, but meanwhile my insides are on fire. Just tell me what you want and it's yours. He gives me a cocky smile as he leans back and puts his arms out on the sofa. I want Myra. No. I take a step toward him, but the asshole doesn't even flinch. Why the fuck are you saying that? You don't want her. You brought this here because you know she's mine. He sits forward and steeples his fingers in front of him. But is she yours, Case? I look around and I don't see her. And the last time I checked, she quit to get away from you. That's enough to snap my temper, and I lunge for him. The motherfucker laughs as he pushes me just as I fall on him, and I end up on the couch beside him. Take it or leave it, cousin, but those are my terms. You told me where the wedding is, I can find my own way, I say. 
But even as I tried to think of how, Bruce would be the one person on Earth that could somehow make it happen. Fuck. Why? Why the fuck are you after her? Is it because you know I want her? He shrugs as he grabs the invitation and puts it in his jacket. There are so many other ways to get under your skin, but I'd like to present this to you as a challenge. I sit up on the couch and he stands and walks over to my desk to put some distance between us. Talk, I say through gritted teeth, and I wonder if I've got a weapon in here I could use on him. Be my plus one to the wedding. Let Myra decide who she's happy to see and who she's willing to, shall we say, entertain. I'll end you, I say, standing up from the couch. I'll take that as a yes. Good, he answers before I have a chance to. I'll pick you up tomorrow at six. He goes to walk out and I take a step toward him. He turns around and smiles at me like he hasn't come in and dropped a grenade. Oh, and it's black tie. He winks before he walks out the door and closes it behind him. Fuck! I roar, shoving the contents of my desk to the floor in one swipe. I can hear his laughter down the hall as he walks away. Chapter 2 Myra I fight to keep from wiggling around like my sister, but I think I'm more anxious than her right now. These last six weeks have been an emotional roller coaster. I've done well at hiding it, but I've always been good at that. You got ants in your pants? I tease Pippa. She's so freaking happy right now, I think she might burst if she finds out she's knocked up. I have a feeling she is because she and her soon-to-be husband can't keep their hands off each other. It's adorable, and I'd be a liar if I didn't admit that I was jealous of their love. They have something everyone else longs for. No pants. She points to the robe she has on. She wants to wait to take the pregnancy test before she puts on her wedding dress, and I don't blame her. The thing is a handful, but it fits. If you're going to get married in a castle, you have to do it in a dress fit for a princess. At least that's what I told her when she was trying on dress after dress. She's almost here. I barely get the words out and there's a knock at the door. I rush over toward it, trying to keep my composure the best I can. I pull open the door and grab the bag from one of the housekeepers and give her a quick thanks before shutting the door. I turn to see my sister giving me a funny look and I hold the bag out wanting her attention off me and back on her own pregnancy. She rushes over to me and grabs the bag, then dumps it out onto the bed. How many did you get? She giggles. I only need one. I stare down at the test as I stand next to her. This is not how I thought my life was going to turn out when I decided to quit my job. Honestly, I didn't know how it would go, but this is not one of the ways I would have guessed. I reach down and pick one up, and I have to fight to keep my hands from shaking. I'm going to take one, too, I tell her. I'm pretty sure I'm pregnant after getting sick again this morning. That's three mornings in a row, along with other small signs. 
I've been ignoring them and trying to stay focused on Pippa's wedding. But when she brought up that she might be pregnant and wanted a test, I found that I needed to know myself. You little sneak. Who have you been giving it up to? She playfully smacks my arm with her pregnancy test. Wait. I watch her try and think of who it might be because I'm sure she's shocked. I never date. And how would I have had the time working as much as I do? If I wasn't working, I was with my sister. It's how life has always been for me. I fell into a maternal role with her, but as we've grown older, it shifted back to being sisters. She doesn't need me to take care of her anymore, and I find I can lean on her from time to time. Stop trying to guess. I give her a playful smack on the arm, this time with my pregnancy test. I should have kept my mouth shut. Besides, you've kept enough from me. I point to the test, reminding her how in one day I learned she hadn't just moved out of our place, but she was getting married and madly in love. I wasn't really keeping Timber a secret, she defends. She kind of was, but I'm going to let it slide because it's partially my fault. I hadn't realized what was going on since Cox had me so busy at work and away in our New York offices that I missed it. Let's just take the test, I push, not wanting to get into this right now. It's her wedding day. You're right. Let's take the test, she agrees. She locks her arm with mine and goes into the bathroom. I'm here for you. I know. I push her toward the toilet area. You go first. I flip the box to glance over the instructions to make sure I know what I'm doing. When Pippa is done, I go next, and then we both stand at the sink together. You going to tell me who? She asks as soon as mine shows pregnant almost instantly. The air in my lungs freezes. I'm going to have to see him. I'm going to have to tell him. There's no avoiding him anymore. At least I think I'm avoiding him. If he isn't looking for me, is it really avoiding? I wouldn't know either way. I didn't give him or myself the chance to know, and I didn't want to. Which way would it hurt more? Him coming back or him not coming back? Not today, I mumble. I'm freaking scared as hell, but happy too. It's all so overwhelming. My eyes start to water when Pippa's test shows up as positive, too. We're pregnant, she says, turning to face me. She grabs my hands as my eyes meet hers. You'll make a wonderful mom. I know that because you've been one for me. I pull her into a hug and close my eyes. I was having a mild freak out inside, but she knew just what to say. We're having babies together. I squeeze her tighter, knowing no matter what, she'll be here for me. Pippa and I can get through anything as long as we have each other. It's crazy, but this was meant to be. She pulls back to look at me. You sent me right to my happily ever after. You're going to get yours, too. Not everyone gets a happily ever after, Pippa. I reach out and play with the ends of her hair. Mr. Cox is not the kind of man that gives you a happily ever after. I don't know what kind of man he is when it comes to this kind of thing, but he isn't like his cousin. Bruce had women coming and going. 
but I don't know anything about Cox's personal life. I'm not sure he has one with as much as he works. You will, she pushes, as if she can make it so. I want her to focus on her happily ever after right now. It's why I've kept myself so busy these last six weeks, so that I didn't freak out over what happened with me and Mr. Cox. Case, I mentally correct. He's been inside me and I quit, so I don't have to call him Mr. Cox anymore. Oh God, I'm having his baby. Don't go there right now. I try to stop the spiraling thoughts. Let's get you married. I motion towards her robe, knowing it's time to get her in her dress. Our hair and makeup is done and I'm already in my dress. I get to tell Timber, Pippa buzzes with excitement. Help me put on this thing. She pulls me from the bathroom and her excitement takes over as we get her into her dress. You look beautiful, I smile at her, trying to fight the tears. She's not a little girl anymore. I should have known she'd end up tucked away in a castle somewhere with children under her feet as she knits. You don't look so bad yourself, she nudges me. I give her a smile before getting my phone and making sure things are good to go. They're ready, I confirm, when I get a text back. They must be tired from holding Timber back, she beams, looking oh so happy about that. He's been a handful today, I laugh. He kept asking if we could move the time of the wedding up so it was over sooner. It's sweet he can't wait to marry Pippa. I hold my arm out for her to take, and she locks it with mine. I can smell all the frangipani flowers before we reach the top of the stairs, since the place is covered in them. I think I ordered every single one that was in the city since Timber wanted as many as he could get for the wedding. We stop when we reach the top of the steps. I look down to make sure everything is how I instructed. My eyes roam over the flowers and toward the front where Timber is standing and then they keep drifting. I pause when I see Case, and all the air leaves my lungs. What the hell is he doing here? Is that? My sister whispers, but I cut her off. Let's do this. I move to step down the stairs and force myself to look away from Case. I have no idea what he's doing here, but this wedding is happening. I'll have him kicked out after the ceremony is over so he doesn't cause a scene. Is he friends with Timber? I would have seen his name on the invites. When we reach the bottom of the stairs, I'm almost certain he stared a hole right through me. I want to snap at him and ask him what the hell he's looking at. Instead, I kiss both my sister's cheeks before passing her over to Timber. My eyes water all over again as my emotions get the best of me. This is all so much. I flick my gaze over to Case, who is still staring at me, looking pissed. No, scratch that. He looks livid. Good. That makes two of us. Chapter 3 Case When the ceremony is over, I make a direct path for Myra, but she's swept up in the crowd. I have to stand back and watch her smile and hug people as they come up and tell her what an incredible job she did on planning the party. Of course she did an amazing job. 
Everything she touches turns to gold. Except me. The thought enters my mind like a doubtful little worm at the exact moment I see Bruce go over and give her a hug. Red, angry stars cloud my vision as I see her beam at him and then hug him again. Again. Why is she so fucking happy to see him? All he did was walk around the office with nothing to do and eat the good snacks she liked in the break room. I can't sit back and let him make a move, so I push my way forward and come up right behind them. Yeah, I got the invite from Timber, Bruce says, and I watch Myra's eyes widen. I did some work for him a couple of weeks ago and he invited me. He even let it slip that you were living out here. Small world, isn't it? She narrows her eyes at him, but keeps smiling. So very small. Well, anyway, I'll let you speak to your guests. Save me a dance for later. You bet, she answers, and he leans in and kisses her on the cheek. I want to pull him away from her and then rip his lips off his face. But I have to show some kind of decorum. This is her sister's wedding and I don't want to embarrass her. Just as Bruce steps out of the way, I walk forward and take her by the arm. I don't say a word as I lead her out of the line and away from the crowd. I have to go back there and greet the guests, she says with a tight smile as we pass a few caterers. I'm a guest. When we get to the end of a long hall, there's a door to the right and I walk in. No, you're not. Her words are sharp, and they should hurt me, but damn, I do miss the sound of her voice. As soon as I walk into the room, I slam the door and push her up against it. I cage her there with my hands on either side of her as I lean in close. Six weeks. She won't look at me as she shrugs. You're not my boss anymore. Enough. I push away from her and take a step back. Enough, Myra. Enough what? I'm busy. She crosses her arms and still won't meet my eyes, and it's driving me fucking crazy. You're going to go around this wedding and play nice and make sure everyone is having a good time. But when it's over, you're coming with me. That gets her attention. When she turns her dark blue eyes on me, I swear to God she could bring me to my knees with one command. She's been driving me crazy for years, and she has no idea the power she holds over me. I'm not going anywhere. I don't work for you anymore, Mr. Cox. I quit, remember? Her cheeks are flushed, and I hate how she says my name. I stomp back over and press my body up against hers so she's pinned to the door. I came inside you, remember? Her mouth opens, and I lean in so my lips are only a breath from hers. That's the day you became mine, and you won't ever be rid of me. Without a warning, I take her mouth and kiss her like a man that's been in the desert and she's my first drink of water. She opens her mouth, no doubt to yell at me, but I take the advantage and slide my tongue over hers. Her hands come to my chest, and at first I think she's going to push me away. But instead, she fists my jacket, 
and damn if she doesn't pull me closer. I grab her hips and her legs come around me, but her dress is too fucking tight and it keeps me from getting closer to her center, to her warmth. The kiss is bruising and rough, like I've been locked up and now I'm free to claim my woman. I'm so fucking angry at her for running away and then hiding from me. How could she fucking do this to me? Can't she see I can't breathe without her, live without her? There's a knock on the door I have her pinned against, and it's a bucket of ice water over her. I lean back and see the fire in her eyes just before her hand strikes my cheek. The sting of her palm on my skin there shocks me, but not enough to let her go. Myra, are you in there? The female voice on the other side of the door says, It's Celia. We've got a problem with some of the seating arrangements. Let me go, Myra says through clenched teeth, and I shake my head. Not until you agree this bullshit is up and you're coming home with me tonight. She shakes her head, and I become an immovable wall. Then I'll just have to push you in my limo and fuck you like last time. This time when her hand comes up to slap me, I grab her wrist to keep her palm from making contact. Don't tell me you don't slide your hand between your legs every night and think about it. I bring her wrist to my mouth and brush my lips down the tender skin there. Tell me you don't come on your fingers while you yearn for them to be my cock. Now she's the one to lean in, and for a second I think she's going to kiss me. The second I got out of that limo, I forgot your name. I drop her hand like it's on fire, and I can't read the look in her eyes. She takes the opportunity to slip out and open the door. The petite, dark-haired woman on the other side of the door has worried eyes as she looks between us. Is everything okay, Miss Myra? She asks, and I watch as Myra straightens her shoulders. Don't worry, he's no one. When she goes to walk away from me, I call out her name. Myra. She pauses, and although she doesn't turn around, she does peek over her shoulder. That's strike two. She licks her lips and resumes her stride down the hall, and I clench my fists at my sides. She can play this game a little longer, but we both know how it will end. Chapter 4 Myra Are you hiding out in here? I turn at the sound of Celia's voice. I thought I was going to have a stolen moment with my third piece of wedding cake. Okay, maybe it's my fourth, but I tried to hide my cake shame in the kitchen this time. I was going to eat it alone without someone watching and possibly judging. I'm not hiding. That is a complete lie. Case can stare at someone else for a few minutes, and the thought turns my stomach. No, that's the cake, or the baby. Sure, Celia chuckles before heading back out of the kitchen and leaving me alone once again. The second she exits, Case walks in. I roll my eyes and walk quickly with my cake out the other door. I dart back into the reception area, knowing that if I stay with the crowd of people, it will keep him at bay, for now.
My time is running out, and the wedding will come to an end soon. I don't know what's going to happen afterwards, but Case never bluffs. I take my seat next to my sister's empty chair. Timber has her on his lap and is feeding her cake. She's living the dream in her castle with all these desserts and dancing the night away. I smile at them because I'm so happy for her. She's going to have it all. And if anyone deserves that, it's her. Pippa lights up anything she touches with her sweet soul. It's impossible to look at her and not smile. After getting to know Timber over the last few weeks, I see how he needs her and he'll spend his life worshiping my sister. Where's your shadow? Bruce asks as he sits down in the seat next to me. I watch as Timber carries Pippa out onto the dance floor once again. What? I pretend I have no idea what he's talking about as I take another bite of my cake. I look across the room and like always, my eyes find cases. He's staring right at me just like he's been doing all night. A beautiful woman walks in my line of sight, blocking my view for a second. You know who I'm talking about. I turn to Bruce, who's looking at the woman and his eyes pause on her cleavage. I shake my head at him, not the least bit surprised. When I glance at Case, I see he didn't even notice her. Why did you bring him here? Case has been giving Bruce death stares all night. I'm pretty sure they almost got into another fistfight an hour ago. It's rather entertaining. Bruce shifts and leans in closer to me. His arm goes around my chair and his eyes dance with mischief. He's terrible. I'm terrible too, because I lean toward him. I've worked with Bruce and gotten to know him during my years working for Case. I know Bruce is harmless and isn't going to do something like kiss me. He enjoys fucking with Case. And for some reason, I want to play along. His words have been messing with me all night, and I'd like to get under his skin a bit. Timber! I jerk away from Bruce at the sound of my sister's shout. Timber is pushing Case, and I see him point a finger at him. You need to calm down. I'm calm, Case says. But I can tell by the tone of his voice he's anything but. Now you've done it, I whisper at Bruce, who only chuckles. You did it too. He leans back in his chair and puts his hands behind his head. I did, damn it. I pop up from my chair as my sister tries to get between Case and Timber. You don't look fucking calm. Timber throws back, tucking my sister into his side. Not at all. Pippa's tone has me pausing for a moment. She's pissed too? I guess I have to be the voice of reason. It's fine. Mr. Cox was just leaving. I put my hand on Case's chest. And when I push, he actually takes a step back. His arm wraps around my waist, taking me with him. Don't manhandle my sister, Pippa snaps. Her cheeks are red, and I've never seen her this worked up before. Everyone looks like they're about to explode, and I glance around the room to see everyone is watching. It looks like two giant men, one being the groom, are about to throw down in the middle of this wedding. Pippa, I say in a soft voice as Case's fingers dig into my hip. 
I don't want to tell my sister how much I enjoy Case's manhandling, because it's kind of what got me into this situation to begin with. Is it him? She points at Case. Is it your asshole boss who made you miserable? Case sucks in a breath like someone punched him. I'm not sure miserable is the word I'd use. At first, I thought it was a game to Case that he gave me impossible tasks to complete so he could fire me. It's like he was waiting for me to fail, but I never did. His words from the night in the limo when I quit flash in my mind. Fucking finally. Then he kissed me. I made you miserable? Case's eyes meet mine and his face softens to actually show emotion. I... I don't know what he made me feel. I was all over the place while I was working there. At first, I wanted to play his game, but then other feelings started to grow. It all became too much, and I had to get out. The last trip was too long, and I'd been away for weeks. Case was a jerk the entire trip, and I was ready to snap. Yes, you made her work all the time, my sister answers for me. I knew that's what the job entailed when I was hired and the pay was worth it. At first, losing my time was one thing, but then losing my heart was another. I need her, he responds, and my stupid heart flutters. I wasn't miserable, I whisper, because the need to tell him that is overwhelming. If you were, I'll fix it. I'm not coming back to work for you. There's no way I could, especially now. He doesn't know I'm pregnant with his baby, which is shocking since he seems to know everything else. Like what I did at night when I lay in bed and thought about him. He was so right. I wouldn't hire you. You quit, remember? He shrugs. You just said- I'll make sure you're never miserable again. He smirks, and his voice drops, so only I can hear him. I think I can make you feel anything but miserable. Liar. You'd hire her in a second if she came back, Pippa throws out. I've been waiting years for her to quit. I knew it, I hiss, pushing on his chest. He doesn't move this time when I push him. Let her go, Pippa snaps. I made that mistake once, and I'm not making it again. I let out a small scream when he catches me by surprise and lifts me into his arms. Don't, both Pippa and I shout, as Timber lunges for Case. Bruce is there grabbing Timber's arm, but he stops on his own. My heart races because I'm afraid Case is going to drop me. She's- I know Pippa is about to tell him that I'm pregnant, so I cut her off. Fine. I shoot my sister a glare just as she puts a hand over her mouth to stop herself. I'm fine. I'll be right back. I need to talk to him. I reassure both Timber and my sister. It's sweet that he's being protective. But I should talk to Case and get this over with. She's not coming back, at least not tonight. My face flushes because it's clear what he thinks we're going to be doing. Myra? Pippa looks to me for answers. I'll see you when I get back. I squeeze Case's shoulder and he reluctantly puts me on my feet.
She rushes over and hugs me as she whispers in my ear, You okay? Yeah, I need to do this, I admit. She kisses my cheek. I'm here if you need me. You have a honeymoon to get to, I remind her. You better come back, sun-kissed. Case's hand locks around my wrist. You've said your goodbyes. He starts to pull me from the room and I'm having deja vu from six weeks ago. Fine, I snip, moving away with him. Just remember you're not my boss anymore. That's what you think, he says, so low I almost don't catch it. But by the look in his eyes, he's not playing around. Chapter 5 Case Thank you for bringing my lady to the car for me. Bruce's smug voice turns my attention away from Myra. He's leaning against a limo with his arms crossed over his chest and a smile on his face. I move Myra behind me like I'm going to block her and then he'll forget she's here. Fuck off, I tell him, because I'm tired of playing games. Cousin, there's no need to be like that. Remember our arrangement? My jaw aches from how hard I'm clenching my teeth, and I ball my fists up at my side. What arrangement? Myra asks as she comes around me. It's nothing. My words are quick, and it's like I'm trying to erase what Bruce is saying. Case agreed to be my plus one tonight in exchange for you leaving with me. He smiles brightly as he takes a step forward. That wasn't the deal. Again, I try to move in front of Myra, but he shakes his head. I said that I would tell you where she was, and in exchange, we agreed I could have her. Bruce is so close to laughing, I want to put my hands around his neck. Is that true? Myra takes several steps away from me, and I want to reach out and grab her. She looks to Bruce as he nods, and then back to me. I'm not some kind of toy to be passed between the two of you. I know, I rush to say, but I don't know how to get the words to come out right. I was desperate. So desperate to fuck me that you'd pass me to your cousin? The look of hurt in her eyes tears at my heart. No, it's not like that. Bruce walks closer to Myra, and she doesn't back away from him. Let's go for a drive, Myra. I think the night air will do you good. Let me explain. I walk toward her, and she takes a step back, putting her closer to Bruce. Please, Myra, I didn't know where you were. She shakes her head, and her eyes are red like she's on the verge of tears. You planned this? I thought, I thought. She blinks a few times and turns around to face Bruce. Can you get me out of here? I don't want my sister to see me like this. You're not going with him. I reach out to take her arm, but she pulls it away. You don't get to tell me what to do anymore, Case. The way she says my name is like a knife in my chest. I don't understand what's going on, but I know that when I'm close to you, I can't think straight. 
Maybe it's good that I get out of here and you go home. I'm not leaving without you. I plant my feet as if to show her that I'm not moving. Pippa and Timber are leaving in a few minutes for their honeymoon. I'm not going to be here arguing with you when they walk out. She shakes her head. What we did shouldn't have happened. It wasn't a mistake, I growl, and she shakes her head. That's not what I'm saying. Her voice is so sharp, and I don't understand why. I shouldn't have given myself to someone who never appreciated me. I can't change what happened, but I won't let it happen again. Well now, this is getting juicy, Bruce chimes in, and I want to punch him in the mouth. Shut up! Myra and I both say in unison. Please, don't let me interrupt, he says, beaming from ear to ear. Myra, come with me and let me explain. She stares at me for a second, and I jump at the hesitation. I promise to keep my hands to myself. I just need to talk to you, to be in the same space as you. I pause as she contemplates her answer. Please? She cocks her head to the side, and I see a hint of a smile. That's not a word I've ever heard you use. Me either, Bruce mumbles, and I glare at him. Please, Myra, I try again, and see the hesitation in her eyes. Give me a chance to be the man you deserve. Damn, I think I might even go with him. The next time I'm alone with Bruce, I'm going to glue his mouth shut. But something he says must ring true for Myra, because she takes a step toward me. I hold out my hand and plead with the universe to make her mine. After only a moment of uncertainty, she reaches out and places her palm into it. I gently wrap my fingers around hers and pull her with me. Would you like to use my car? Bruce offers. And if I could shoot fire from my eyes, he would be a pile of ash right now. No? Okay, then. You two kids have a good night. I sigh with relief as Myra comes with me and we walk to my waiting limo nearby. I close my eyes for a moment and offer a prayer of thanks to whoever it is above looking out for me. I think he does most of that just to get under your skin, Myra says while I help her into the limo. Oh, I'm sure he does all of it for that reason. I climb in beside her and feel anxious until the door is closed and the locks are engaged. I'm just angry with myself for letting him get to me. He's harmless. I can hear the softness in her voice as she defends him, and I reach over and take her hand in mine. Anything that tries to take you from me is a threat. I can't help myself. I bring her hand to my mouth and graze my lips along her wrist. Didn't you promise not to touch me? Her words are soft and quiet now that we're alone, and I can feel her heartbeat pounding under the delicate skin. Do you want me to stop? I keep rubbing my lips along the silky exposed area as I look up and into her eyes. No. The word is barely above a whisper, but we both know how heavy it is. No, I agree moving my lips down her arm and into the crook of her elbow. And now?
Chapter 6 Myra My skin tingles from his mouth, and I don't know how it's possible, but his touch is even better than I remember. He really does drive me crazy. One minute I can't get away from him fast enough, and the next I want to crawl into his lap and be as close to him as possible. It's always been that way, though. He does something to me I'll never be able to understand. Myra. His mouth is no longer moving up my arm. Say it. He demands. Always demanding. It's his nature, and I'd be a liar if I didn't admit to loving it. Don't stop. I give in like we both knew I would. I tell myself that this time I want it. I want the same pleasure he gave me the last time I was in the back of his limo. But the truth is, I'm the one with the need to please him. I thought at first it was me wanting to do a good job at work. But it's more than that. I'm seeing it now as his mouth drifts up my arm to my neck. I tilt my head, silently begging for more of what only he can give me. Did you miss me? He nips at my neck. No, I lie. I was so mad when I first saw him tonight. All my emotions came pushing forward, and that, coupled with finding out I was pregnant, sent me over the edge. I'm a mess inside. Really, when I get to the bottom of what I'm feeling, it's a relief. He was looking for me this whole time. I don't know what that means for us, but it's something. He looked as though he wanted to murder Bruce. I can only hope it's not some pissing match he's having with his cousin and he just wants to win. I want him to be pissed because he hates the idea of me being with someone else. I know the idea of him with another woman would kill me. I've never known you to be a liar, Myra. He bites me harder this time and I gasp. The sensation shoots straight between my thighs and I clench them together as my clit starts to throb with need. My body knows what he can do to me. I could never get myself off like he did, no matter how many times I tried. And boy, did I try. There are a lot of things you don't know about me, I throw out there. If he wanted me so badly, how come he didn't make more of an effort to have me before? You're right, he agrees, kissing the spot he'd bitten. Like what your cunt tastes like. I suck in a breath at his crude words. I've never in all the years I've known Case heard him say one dirty thing. Not a joke or even join in when someone would say someone was pretty. I've been to so many events with him and never once caught his eyes wandering to other women. At one point I thought maybe he just wasn't sexual, but that clearly wasn't the case. I should have known though. When Case wants something, he's direct about it. If he wants to taste my cunt, he's going to say it. I shift in my seat as the throb between my legs grows to an almost unbearable level. It's on the tip of my tongue to beg him, but I don't want to beg him. I want him to beg me. You're going to let me eat your cunt, Myra. It's not a question. His hand comes to my face and he cups my chin. He turns me on so my eyes meet his. Please. That word again. I breathe against his mouth. 
I enjoy that I'm the only one to get it from him. It's the second time in minutes he's given it to me and I'm weak from it. I'll say it over and over again if it gets me a taste. I didn't think you were asking. I lean into him and my mouth brushes against his. God, he smells so good. How can I be so mad at him, yet being this close makes me achy? Myra, he warns, I only have so much control. It's like a light bulb going off inside of me. That's what I want, because I enjoy playing with his control. That night in the limo, part of the rush was him snapping. I'd driven him to a point of doing something that was so out of character for him. It's always been there, lingering under the surface, and I think I knew on some level I could break his carefully constructed facade. My tongue darts out and I lick his bottom lip. You can have a taste, but you only have so long until the driver makes it back to my place. I try to say the words, cool and casual, as if I don't care one way or another, but I want his mouth all over me and I know our time is ticking. I never said I was taking you to your place. As soon as he says the words, his mouth meets mine and his tongue is pushing past my lips. He's dominating the kiss as his fingers dig into my hair. But I will take you home. What? I ask. He's not taking me to my house, but he's taking me home? My mind is in too much of a lust-filled fog to put anything together. He shifts, moving me quickly, and once again, I'm on the floor of his limo. It's deja vu as his hand slips up my dress and he rips my panties from my body. This time, though, he doesn't only destroy my panties, he goes for my dress, too. He rips it right down the center and the silk is no match for his strength. You did that so I can't get out of the limo, I shout and my heart races with excitement at the sight of him so out of control. Maybe I should be scared, but I'm the opposite of scared for the first time in weeks. I feel alive. That's one perk to destroying the dress. His eyes roam over my body. But I've been dying to see what you look like naked from the moment you walked into my building. You were in that black suit that was too big for you and wearing those sexy-as-fuck heels. I was dying to know what you were hiding under there. You remember what I was wearing? My insides melt a little as my mind flashes back to that first day. I was so nervous, and I wasn't even interviewing for a job working under Casey Cox. Suddenly, I was not only hired, but working for the president and owner of the company. I remember everything about you. His hands roam over my body as he leans down and kisses a freckle on my stomach. He has no idea that right below his kiss is our baby growing inside of me. I should have known about this long ago. He looks up at me. There are so many things I should have known about, but I'll get there. Soon enough, I'll know it all. His mouth travels farther down my stomach, and my legs spread wide for him. I'm already on the edge, and my body is begging for release, begging for him, 
begging he doesn't break my heart when he does find out everything. But when Casey wants something, he never stops until he gets it. Right now, that's me. And we're back. Hey. Hi. So how about that first part? I don't yes. know where they left you. I don't I don't, I don't know either. where this is left. Probably something dirty. Somewhere dirty. It, Probably I'm sure it is. Oh, maybe in the maybe in the limo. I can't no, that's remember. a prologue. Oh, there's two limo scenes, I think. I don't know. You guys love your limo. You guys love your limos. Limo sex is good. I mean, you know, when you when you want to do a dirty scene, what can be better than a billionaire in the back of a limo? Nothing. All right. So, uh, toast, uh, cozy is out today in ebook. And then, um, on Friday, we'll be back with the second half of toasty and also reborn yesterday by me is out today. Um, go fucking go get it. Get it. It's really good. And make sure you check read me romance headquarters. We're going to be doing giveaways for our books and Tess's books. And it's just going to be it's gonna be free for all this, is, this week. Yeah, it, this is we've peaked. This is the cir- this is like the circus. Welcome to the circus. Yeah, we're seriously gonna just we're gonna throw down. We're gonna throw orders. All right, throw it down. Leah, tell them what to do. Fuck your day up. Make today your bitch. Don't be a dick. Bye. Bye. Read me romance.